All right. Well, thank you very much for the music today. Uh, all those involved, really appreciate it. Let's go ahead and take our Bible and turn to Colossians chapter number two. Colossians chapter number two this evening. Continuing our series through the book of Colossians. And as you're finding that, if you're able to stand, uh, if you would join me in standing out of respect and reverence for the word of God. Colossians chapter number two. And we're going to read verses 16 down through verse 23. And uh, the, the plan was to, to cover this entire passage. I don't know that it's going to actually happen tonight, okay? Um, uh, it, it, it might, but I, I have my doubts. So um, this might end up being a, this is probably going to end up being a two-part message. Um, but uh, you'll probably thank me as we uh, continue through the evening. Because um, we do have a, a, a business meeting to, to do as well. So... Anyway, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 23, the Bible says this, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility in worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body of, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. And uh, quite, quite, um, quite a passage. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's proving to be a difficult passage to, to cover, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing what I can to get through this. And uh, tonight, I, I think we'll cover just a, a couple of the verses here tonight. But uh, with that, let's pray, and uh, we'll get into our time together. Lord, we're thankful for the time together tonight. Uh, Lord, thank you even for the story of Jim Elliott. And, and uh, Lord, I know that many times we go through seasons like that that we just heard about uh, in our own life that are discouraging and heart, heartbreaking. Um, but Lord, we know that you have a plan and a purpose for everything. And uh, Lord, thank you now for the time in your word, and I pray, Lord, you'd uh, help us to have your mind as we study these, these truths from your word, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of the message tonight is Words of Warning. Now, many believers want the Christian life to be all positive and all happiness and never negative. And yet we know that warnings are simply a part of life. I mean, what parent here tonight hasn't warned their children about playing near fire or being careful to look both ways before crossing the street? These are all important warnings. See, warnings are a part of life. I want to read to you tonight some actual warning labels on products and uh, some important things for us to remember as we look and consider using these different products. And uh, some of them, you're going to have to wonder how these warning labels, why these warning labels were actually put on these products. And I came across this article on Reader's Digest, 
And uh, here's one. Uh, the first one is a warning label on a wheelbarrow, not intended for highway use. Okay. So, uh, evidently, you have to buy the high-end model to get the wheelbarrow that can go up on the, uh, on the highway. Uh, next one is on a baby stroller. And so for you new moms, this is an important one. Please remove child before folding. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that's a good thing to remember. Um, and I don't know who tried to fold up the stroller before taking their baby out that caused this uh, particular label to be put on there, but uh, that's interesting. Okay, here's a warning label on Apple's website, do not eat iPod Shuffle. And uh, they don't have the iPod Shuffle anymore, uh, but uh, whatever when, when it was here, you're, and uh, Reader's Digest said it was made by Apple, so it must be nutritious. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's a dad joke for you. Okay. A warning label on a carpenter's electric drill. This product is not intended for use as a dental drill. Okay. So uh, good, good to know. Um, here's a warning label on a box of rat poison. Has been found to cause cancer in laboratory mice. Good. <laughs> I would hope so. And uh, this is good. All right. Warning label on a vanishing ink marker. It should not be used for signing checks or any legal documents. <laughs> Okay, um, good thing to have on there. Warning label on an iron-on shirt pattern. Do not iron while wearing the shirt. Okay, so good idea. Warning label on a Razor scooter. This product moves when used. Thank you, that's why I bought it. <laughs> um, warning label on hair dryer. Do not use while sleeping. How would even somebody do that? I mean... I guess people who sleepwalk could go and do sleep styling of hair. Uh, I don't think I'm in any, any danger of doing that, but we're going to label on a package of fireplace logs, risk of fire. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know. Warning label on a brass fish, fishing hook, harmful if swallowed. You think? <laughs> uh, warning label on a can of pepper spray may irritate eyes. <laughs> I would hope so. That's why I bought it. Um, and then the last one here I think I have for you is warning label on a cartridge for a laser printer, do not eat toner. Um, I've, been, I've been here st st you know, working and going, I'm really hungry, but I've never one time been tempted to eat toner. <laughs> to not go on one of those uh, printers and like open it up and say, I'm really hungry, I'm going to eat this. Um, anyway, Warnings are part of life, as you know, and, and warnings are also part of our Christian life, the spiritual life. Throughout the Word of God, the Bible, we find several warnings, and I'm not going to take the time to go through them tonight, but there are several that, of course, God gave to the nation of Israel as you make your way through the Old Testament. And then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus comes on the scene, and, well, Jesus, he was all positive and no warnings, right? No, Jesus gave warnings as well. Here's a, here's a few of them. Beware of false prophets, which come into you, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. That was the words of Christ. He also said, "But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues." And in Matthew sixteen six, Jesus saith, said unto them, "Take heed and beware of eleven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees." So. Um, there is lots of warnings in the scriptures, and, and Paul uh, issued many warnings in his epistles. In fact, he already issued a warning in chapter 2 
earlier on in verse number 8. If you look at verse number 8 of chapter 2 of Colossians, he said this, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We've already studied that one. But now in the passage that we read a moment ago, verses 16 through the end of the chapter here, he gives three more warnings that are necessary for us to take heed to if we're going to be effective in our Christian life. Now, it's obvious from these, pass- from these verses and in my study that, um, you know, that these Colossian believers were troubled by a couple uh, big influences. They were troubled by Jewish legalism on one side and then Greek spiritualism on the other side. Paul's warnings have to do with being careful not to fall into either one of these areas. And so tonight, let's look at these warnings, or at least uh, try to cover as many as we can tonight. But first of all, let's look at number one here, this warning of, let no man condemn you. Let no man condemn you. In verse number 16, Paul says this, let no man therefore judge you or condemn you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Now, the idea here is that um, to not let people judge us or condemn us for failing to follow certain Old Testament laws. And uh, the verse here in verse number 16, or the word, um, he he goes, let no man, and then there's the fourth word in that verse. Uh, Somebody yell out that word. What is it? Therefore. And every time you see the word therefore, you always have to see why it's therefore. So thank you. You got to go back into the previous verses to figure out what's going on here and why it's a it's a connecting word that connects the pre connects the previous thoughts with what he's about to say. And so Paul here is saying, hey, because of what I just said, don't let anybody uh, judge you or condemn you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now, again, let's go back uh, to these previous verses here and uh, just look at very quickly. I'm not going to read them, but um, last time we did go through this last message. We went through these and we saw our standing in Christ in verses 11 through verse number 15. We saw who we are in Christ in verse 10. It says we are complete in him. In verse 11, it talks about how we are forgiven in him. In verses 12 and 13, we are, um, we are made alive in him. Verse 14, we are made free in him. We've been set free in Christ. And then in verse 15, we were made victorious in Christ. And because of all of those things, we don't need to go back and, and let people condemn us or judge us or put pressure on us to go back to things that we've been set free from. Albert Barnes, in his commentary on this verse, says this, uh, what what he means by this. uh, Since you have thus been delivered by Christ from the evils which surround you, since you've been freed from the observance of the law, let no one sit in judgment on you or claim the right to decide for you in those matters. You are not responsible to man for your conduct, but to Christ. And no man has a right to impose that on you as a burden from which he has made you free. That's a good thought here. See, the Lord has made us free, and and we're not under the bondage of what man can impose upon us any longer. But here, 
in verse number 16, lest we kind of go and say, yeah, no one can judge me. I can live however I want, and no one has the right to come and talk to me. No, uh, that's not what he says here, because he says, let no man therefore, because you've been set free, because you've been made alive in him, because you are victorious in Christ, because of all those things, let no man therefore judge you in some certain areas. Okay, what are the areas in which uh, Paul says here, we're not to let man condemn us? Well, first of all, when it comes to diet, when it comes to diet, let no man judge you. Some of you were judging me this morning when I brought out the hostess ding-dongs. <laughs> let no man therefore judge you in meat or in ding-dongs. I can eat all the hostess products I want. There's my chapter in verse. Thank you very much. Now, what was happening was, of course, many, many of us know that there were Old Testament dietary laws that God gave to the nation of Israel, and one of them being that they had to stay away from bacon. That was, that was talk about bondage. <laughs> um, no, but they were not allowed to eat pork, and th there were certain things that they weren't allowed to eat, and, and I won't go into it tonight on all the different aspects there, but what was happening is these believers who had believed in Christ, who had been made free, who had been set free and, and made alive in Christ, there were some Jewish legalists there that were trying to say, okay, well, you, you've been saved, but, but now you need to get back to and do the Old Testament laws and, and to be a part of the way we eat, the way that God told the nation of Israel to eat, and then you'll be really spiritual, and then you'll be really uh, pleasing to God if you uh, do and do as I do. And when it came to dietary laws, they, they did that. And these believers there in Colossae were, very few of them were actually Jewish believers. Many of them were Gentile believers. And so these Jewish legalists were imposing the Old Testament stuff that these Gentiles were never under to begin with. And now they're saying you need to be under that in order to be pleasing to God. And so Paul's saying, look, no, don't, don't let anybody judge you in that area. And uh, I'm sure that some of these Gentiles were like, Hey, we're gonna have a, uh, we're gonna we're gonna barbecue, you know, have a bullets and barbecue activity, and we're gonna have uh, pulled pork at our uh, at our event, which probably we're gonna have at our event. And uh, these people were like, "Oh, you can't do that. No, no, let's get back to the Old Testament laws because that was that was way better for us, and that's a, a way to be more spiritual and be closer to God." And this, this type of thing also happened in the church at Corinth, if you remember. When there were believers there the, that um, they went to the market, and there was, there's two types of meat, right? There was the meat that was offered to idols and then, um, and then sold back to the supermarket. And the supermarket said, well, hey, since, you know, like Winco or Walmart or whatever it was back then, um, Crest probably, and uh, they had, uh, you know, they said, well, we, gotta, we give a discount for the meat that was offered to idols. And so you can get a pretty good deal on that because it, and then there's the other meat that was organic, not uh, sacrificed to idols. And, and there was people in here offended that there were, that church members were coming and buying this meat offered to idols. When they're in their conscious, they're like, hey, look, these idols aren't real. I might as well get a good deal. I mean, 
And, and maybe they were, they were getting, spending less on meat and giving the rest to the Lord's work. Who knows? And, and Paul said, look, uh, let's, let's, not, let, let's not make a big deal about this. And, and same thing here. Does this happen today? Yes, it does. Um, there's people that come into a church that are very focused on their physical and, uh, and they get all hyped up into different diets. And, and uh, I know our family, my wife and I, we've tried several different diets over the course of our marriage. And remember um, when, um, before we had any children, we went on what I called the no fun diet. Um, <laughs> and that's, you can, you can go onto my website and there's all of this information on, no, I'm kidding. Um, but this was not a diet I enjoyed, but our doctor said, hey, um, I think it'd be really helpful if you guys went on this diet with some of the health issues you guys are dealing with. And basically it was zero sugar, like not even ketchup because there's sugar in ketchup. And it was like, okay. And so we had to like think through everything. Like you couldn't have, couldn't really do uh, salad dressing on your salad. We kind of cheated on that one. We just did it on the side and dipped our fork in it. And then, and then put it in the, in the lettuce. And it was just, we could eat nuts and lettuce, and that was about it. I, that's all I remember being able to eat. We couldn't even eat fruit because it had sugar in it. It was no fun. And we did that for 30 days. No soda. No candy. No ice cream. And yes, I survived. I, I'm not sure how, but I did. Um, okay, now I could have come and said, hey, this is really helping me out. Everybody else in the church, you need to start doing it too. Well, no, that's not, that's not really, there's not really a place for that. There, there's been a lot of fad diets that have gone, gone on. There's, uh, maybe you've heard of the Hallelujah Diet, maybe the Daniel Diet, staying away from sugar. And I realize that sugar is not good, um, but, uh, and I, but I think, look, God has given us a principle like, Everything in moderation, and and uh, here's let me let me show you let me show you a passage of scripture. All right, it is First Timothy chapter four. Let's turn over there. First Timothy chapter four. Now, to balance out what I'm about to say, you could go back to the beginning of this year as I preached a series on biblical prosperity, and and one of the uh, messages I talked about physical prosperity and that God's word does give us some principles regarding our diet. Um, but here in 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse number uh, 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Here it is now, verse 4. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So, now, go eat some bacon. Now, as believers, we're not under the dietary laws of the Old Testament. 
Now, every, now we know that, hey, look, every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. Even a Snickers bar. Now, we all know that too many Snickers bars and won't be good for us. But look, there, there's nothing sinful about having a Snickers bar. Now, there is, to again, balance it out, there is the principle of gluttony that we need to guard against in the scriptures. Uh, that's mentioned several times in connection with drunkenness. But um, they're, they're, the new one that's kind of out right now is intermittent fasting. And uh, not saying that any of these diets or any of these ideas are bad, but they should not become an issue to condemn others on or to impose upon others. Look, you want to be in, involved in the hallelujah diet? Well, hallelujah. For you, but don't, don't look down on me if I have a Big Mac tomorrow. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> There's one spiritual man in the church here. <laughs> but I shouldn't then oppose my Big Mac eating habit upon you either. Right? See, um, here's, here's a great illustration from a, from a, from a commentator who, who pastored. And, and uh, I just thought this was such a great story that I had to share it with you under this thought here. He said this, this is from John Phillips. He said, some years ago, I was ministering in a town in northern Canada. A number of people were saved and added to the church, including a young man who said that he had been greatly helped by a special diet. He had suffered with a crippling form of arthritis until he met a doctor who put him on this particular diet. Well, the basic philosophy behind the diet was simple. Never mix proteins and carbohydrates in the same meal. There were some other oddities about this diet, too, as I recall. It included eating wheat germ muffins and large quantities of canned tomatoes. <laughs> Our friend declared that he had been healed by this diet, and he certainly seemed to be the picture of health, although his body bore evidence of his past affliction. Well, he accepted Christ and came into the fellowship of our church. He remained, however, a strong advocate of this diet. Uh, okay, there we go. He canvassed all of us, and a few people were persuaded to actually try it. Our own experiment with it did not last long. The meals were too boring. Before long, he approached the rest of us with his great idea. We should incorporate his diet into our doctrine. Anybody red flag going off in your mind? Hopefully. His argument went something like this. God wants the best for us, right? That's right, Don. That would include good health, right? Well, possibly, although not necessarily. Well, and good health can be affected by what we eat, right? That sounds reasonable up to a point. Well, look at me. I'm a living testimony of the health-giving power of Dr. Wonder's diet, right? Well, you certainly do seem to be the picture of health, Don. Well, I'm healthy because I never mix proteins and carbohydrates at a meal. This diet made a new man out of me. Everybody ought to be on this diet. We ought to teach people how to care for their bodies as well as for their souls. So we ought to teach Dr. Wonder's diet along with teaching the Bible, right? Now, we didn't want to discourage this new young believer but we had no intention of adding diet to our doctrine. But what should we say to him? 
to gain some time, we asked if anyone had anything to say in response to this proposal. Well, the perfect answer came from another young Christian. He had been saved about the same time as Don. And he said, you believe that the Lord Jesus is God, Don. Is that right? Yes. Would you agree, Don, that the Lord Jesus, since he is our creator and the one who made our bodies, would know what was best for them? Right? Right. Then how come, if Dr. Wonder's diet is right, the Lord fed loaves and fishes to the 5,000? <laughs> he gave them both proteins and carbohydrates at the same meal. And that was the end of it. We heard no more about adding that diet to our doctrine. <laughs> so uh, if, you're, if you have a special diet that you're on, I'm for it. By all means, go for it. Uh, but don't, don't try to, you know, canvas the church and impose that as a manner of spiritual maturity and spirituality. And that's what Paul's saying here. And uh, I know we can kind of take this and, and say, well, look, uh, let no man judge you in any area. No, we are to actually approve things that are excellent. We are, um, we are to consider one another and, and admonish one another. And when we see a brother go astray, we are to go to them. And you say, well, look, it says, let no man judge you. Let no man condemn you. Yes, in diet. Okay. But what else does it say here in verse 16? Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So when it comes to diet, but it also when it comes to days. See, of course, in the Old Testament, we know that there were some special days set aside for his people to remember God's goodness and to remember what the Lord did. I think even of the Passover and and uh, every year they're supposed to remember what God did for them in delivering the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And, and, uh, that, the, and, the, and the great Passover, uh, that, that last plague that, that he did there. Uh, and then the Sabbath day, of course, and, and uh, that being part of the Ten Commandments. And, and yet it says here, um, Sabbath days, plural, because there were more than just the one Sabbath day of the week. There was also other Sabbaths. Um, you know, these other special festivals and feasts that the Lord established in the Old Testament were also considered um, special days that the uh, Sabbath days that the children of Israel were supposed to observe. Now, again, what was happening is these Jewish legalists were coming into the church and saying, hey, if you really want to be spiritual, you're going to have to obey the Sabbath days and all the feasts and all the, all the things. And when you do that, then you'll be really spiritual and you'll be really close to God. And here Paul's saying, look, don't, you've already been set free from all of that. Don't let anybody condemn you if you don't uh, respect the Sabbath day. Now, now here's the deal. When it comes to the Ten Commandments, we know that one of them has to do with the Sabbath day. And yet, in the New Testament, all of the Ten Commandments were repeated with the exception of the Sabbath day as a command from the Lord Jesus to obey. So we're not bound by that one as much as we are with the other nine. We are still bound 
uh, as believers to the moral law that we shouldn't kill anybody. Um, you say, well, it, it doesn't say here, don't let anybody judge you if you, if you kill people. Okay. Um, no, we can be judged and condemned and rightfully so. But when it comes to these days that, um, and, and some were like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep Saturday, the seventh day, as a special day set aside for the Lord. By all means, go ahead and do that. But don't impose that upon everybody else who wants to, uh, who, who needs to work that day. Uh, traditionally, uh, churches have met on Sundays in the New Testament era. Uh, because that is a celebration of the day that Jesus resurrected from the, from the dead. And uh, what they were saying here is, no, no, you need to go and, and celebrate it on Saturday. The Seventh-day Adventists come to mind, don't they? That impose this, and they insist that uh, people must keep the Sabbath day in order to please God. So we're not to let people condemn us. This is one warning that Paul gives the church there at Colossae. Um, he, he, he says, don't let anybody condemn you when it comes to uh, the diet and the days. And uh, this thought is continued by Paul in Romans chapter number 14. And he says it so well, uh, much better than I could say it. So let's go ahead and turn over there real quickly. Romans chapter 14. And I'm going to read here verses 1 through 14. So a little bit of a lengthy passage, but I want you to follow along and, and, and see what he says here about this. Romans 14, verse 1 says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. So one believes that he can eat bacon all day long for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I can't think of a better breakfast, lunch, and dinner, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. And dessert, too. When we were in Montana, they had, and they probably do here. I, I haven't been to a lot of donut shops, but uh, bacon, maple, donuts. Have anybody seen those? Come on. That'll change your life. But one believes that he can eat that, but another who's weak says, no, no, I'm only going to eat herbs. Well, verse 3 says, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. So those who have a clear conscience about eating bacon don't need to go and look down and have a bad attitude towards those who don't. But then it says, let not him that which eateth not judge him that eateth. So we're not to judge each other in that area. For God hath received him, verse 3 says. Verse 4, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemed esteemeth one day above another. So here he's just expanding the thought that he consolidated it's in one verse here in Colossians, but he expands it here in Romans 14. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord. He doth not regard it. Um, he that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, die, we are the Lord's. 
For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So, and it goes on down. We can keep, we can keep reading here. And let's, let's uh, well, verse number 17 here. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's kind of the bottom line there. The kingdom of God is not a meat and drink. We don't need to be judging each other on what kind of diet we have. Some of us like to eat all organic. Some of us are like processed foods, here I come. I realize, again, there might be a benefit in eating organic. But some may not be able to afford the price of organic food. And so they're forced to eat Cheerios or whatever, ding-dongs. Although, that's a pretty good life, if you ask me. But also, when it comes to days as well, some say, well, look, I'm going to make Saturday a special day for the Lord. By all means, go, go ahead if you can and if you want to. But, but don't look down on me if I come to work here and go do outreach and take a nap. and don't, You know what I mean? And, and that's, what, that's what he's saying here. So why shouldn't we, going back to Colossians 2 here, let me, let me wrap this thought up and then, and, then, and then we'll close for tonight. Why shouldn't we allow others to judge us, to condemn us regarding diet and days? Well, Paul answers that, answers that question in verse number 17. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat and drink or Sabbath days. Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. See, Paul mentions that these Old Testament ordinances, the dietary laws and the laws regarding, regarding the special days, were just mere shadows of the real object. They were just a picture of what, or rather, who would eventually come. Hebrews 10.1 says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. So in verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come. So, so why go back to the shadows when we have the reality in the Lord Jesus Christ? Why hold on to the picture when you can have the real thing? Miss Julie, if you could go ahead and come on up here. I did warn her about this. Speaking of words of warning, I did warn her that I was going to use her in the, this illustration here. Now she comes up to the platform. I have here this evening a very beautiful picture of my young wife. This is our wedding picture. This is her on her wedding day 22 years ago. Now, this is a precious, beautiful picture that I do like. It's sitting, usually sitting in our room. Um, I borrowed it, by the way. <laughs> now, I can, I can stand here and hug this picture all day long because it's such a beautiful picture of my wife. Or I can hug the real thing. 
Now, I'm telling you, after hugging that and after hugging this, I would much rather hug this. <laughs> this is way better. This is okay, but this is way better. These diet, this dietary laws of the Old Testament and these, the, uh, the Old Testament uh, laws regarding the special days were nothing more than a picture. Pointing to the fact that one day Jesus would come and that we would not hold on to those anymore, but instead hold on to the Lord Jesus. And boy, I'm telling you, this is way better than holding on to that picture. <laughs> okay, you can be seated. Thank you very much. See, here's the deal. There were false teachers there in the church at Colossae who were spreading heresy, saying to the Gentiles, that in order to have the full Christian life, you need to abide by these Old Testament laws. And while they were important and necessary back before Christ came, they were not necessary now that Christ had come. And these are powerful and wonderful words, especially when you consider who they came from. The Apostle Paul, who had once been strict and narrow during his days as an arrogant Pharisee, if you remember. He had been guilty of judging others in all of these matters. But in his conversion experience on the Damascus Road, he had been set free from his confining legalism. He knew full well just how damaging any form of legalism can be as it turns our attention away from Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. The legalism that says you must do things to be saved, and also the legalism that says you must do things to be right standing with God. Remember, we have been made free in Christ. We have been set free. Uh, now this, obviously, I'll just throw this in and we'll close. This does not mean that there are nothing, there, there's no principles in the Bible that we shouldn't apply to our life in order to be obedient to God. Sometimes when we preach against legalism, which it needs to be preached against, Paul mentioned it here. But sometimes we get to go to the other extreme and say, yeah, so that means I don't have any responsibility to follow the word of God. Uh, that's not true either. Uh, there's a balance, you see. And, uh, and here... Um, I hope that it made sense to you, and uh, we'll talk about the next one next time. Uh, the next one is Let No Man Charm, charm You, and uh, we'll look at that uh, next time. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to be in your word tonight, and uh, Lord, and as we consider uh, these thoughts about uh, these warnings here that Paul issued, and especially the warning we covered tonight, Lord, help us to take heed to this warning and to not be swayed to go back to a, uh, these Old Testament laws that no longer apply to us as believers. And uh, Lord, I pray that you protect our church from a spirit of legalism, whether it's uh, legalism for salvation or even legalism for this idea of the full, perfect Christian life. Help us, Lord, to have a balance uh, where we understand what your word says about certain things and understand our responsibility and, and yeah, even obligation to follow you in those things. But Lord, help us to not look at other people and it, with a criticizing, judgmental, condemning look if they don't do what we're doing. Help us, Lord, to have a gracious spirit. And uh, Lord, thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul, who you completely changed his life. He was once a very judgmental person, but Lord, you completely changed his life. And I pray, Lord, that if there's one here tonight that has 
struggled in this area of being condemning towards others, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to get that right with you tonight. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help our church to be a healthy uh, place where we are encouraged to walk with God and to live a holy and godly life, but yet, uh, Lord, to not have this bondage of legalism either. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to find that balance and to walk in that place. And thank you for the time together tonight in your word, and I pray that you'd bless the meeting to follow in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening tonight, and uh, I'm sorry we didn't get too far, but as you look at the time, you're probably glad we didn't keep going. <laughs> Um, we are going to go ahead and move into our uh, business meeting. Um, what we can do real quickly is let's all stand together, um, and we're going to sing just a verse of I Surrender All. And as we sing that, if you're here tonight and uh, you would prefer not to stay, everybody is invited and welcome to stay for this part. Uh, but uh, if you need to slip out, here's a good opportunity for you to do that. But for those of us, I... Um, uh, we're going to stay. Let's just sing this song, and then we'll get into our meeting. So, Blake, if you lead us in, 